bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. It's the Hive Sports Podcast. Jazz, college football, bees, we got them all. So listen up, because we, 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 we got the buzz. Turn down the buzz! Utah! Welcome in, Utes fans. I know I'm excited to be here, and I hope you guys are as well. It is the best day of the week. It's another Swoop Saturday here. And I'm your host, Zach Rieger. Yes, it is just me in the studio today. But I still think it's going to be a great show. We've got a lot to talk about, and yes, I had to bring up Post Malone a little bit at least. I don't know if you guys saw, but... He was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was wearing a Utah hat, so obviously I'd give him a little love there, but we're not here to talk about Post Malone, we're here to talk about Utah Utes football, and that's what we plan to do today. We got a lot to talk about today. I don't know if you guys heard, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Well, hopefully you have. The pac 12 released their schedule, first Power 5 Possibly even college football, I'm pretty sure. Conference to release a schedule for the 2020 season. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's going to take up pretty much all of our time here, but I think it's going to be great. And I want to jump right in. But before we do that, I want to remind you to follow The Hive Sports on social media. It's pretty simple. It's just at The Hive Sports. They will give you everything you need to know, all the info all the access to every single sport and team in Utah. We're even writing articles about the Angels uh, as their minor league affiliate is in Utah. So a lot of hardworking people as colleagues, and we are doing our best to give you everything we can uh, that has to do with sports in the Utah area. And then if you want, uh, I I know I would certainly appreciate it if you guys wouldn't mind um, you guys can definitely give me a follow on Twitter as well at ZachRieger18. And um, yeah, that's it for an intro. Let's uh, let's get this thing going. So just a few notes before we jump into the schedule. We It actually just came out right now. Utah is number 20 in the polls. We will be ranked this season. Heading into it, I believe there will be a season. And we are ranked in the top 20 and so there's not a whole lot to go but up when it comes to rankings so I think personally I think it's fair obviously I would like to see it go up a little bit as a Utah fan but I think it's fair with the amount of people that we lost but I think we can definitely work our way up we were the third team that was ranked in the Pac-12 Oregon is number 9 and USC is 17 and those believe it or not, are our last two scheduled games. So it's going to be a lot of fun come late November and early December in the Pac-12 when it comes to matchups with the three best teams all facing each other. So yeah, so after that, we're hoping August 17th, that's a big date, because that is when our players can report to camp if they're given the okay from local health officials. This is the date for every Pac-12 team, and this is where a few things can get interesting because 
some teams or some local officials might be getting okay if their cases are down, while others might, you know, have to get pushed back a week or two. So we're hoping in Utah, I hope everyone's staying safe regardless, but I hope in Utah um, they get the okay on the 17th because we're going to talk about a lot of different competitions and uncertainty with other Pac-12 opponents, but we can't forget Utah has a lot to figure out too. We got to figure out who our quarterback's going to be. Will it be Jake Bentley or will it be Cameron Rising? It, it's a tough call at this point. You love Bentley's upside, but then Rising as well. He, you know, he's been with the team. He's been with Whittingham and our offensive coordinator for a year now, practicing, studying. He knows the offense, and he's a pretty talented quarterback as well, even though he hasn't played any snaps in college football. So we ha- And then we got... Linebacker spots, we have to replace nine starters on defense. That's not going to happen overnight. So we need as long as a camp as we can, which is a good thing for what this is. Because when you look at the schedule, we start in September 26th, which is a lot later than the normal start for a college football season. Which, of course, a little frustrating at first. When I first saw it, I was like, man, I mean, yes, we're excited there's a season. But, like, we got to wait till late September to watch a college football game. Like, what is that? But then I started thinking about it a little bit more. And I think it is actually beneficial and the right move. You see the Big Ten just came out with a conference only schedule. They're still starting early September. I haven't looked exactly when their camps are reported to start. But if it's around the same time as the Pac-12, they could run into some issues for the teams that are trying to you know, teach their players certain schemes and how to play in their system. So I think that it actually is beneficial for Utah and for a lot of these other teams because there are some teams in the Pac-12 that they need as much of a training camp as they can to try to have the best 2020 season that they can. So when you look at their schedule, I'll just preview it real quick. The Utah Utes. On the 26th, they play at Washington State. Then they play at Colorado. Then they play Oregon State at home. And they play at UCLA. Then they have a bye week. Then they go home against Arizona. And then they are at Arizona State. Home against Washington. At Cal. Then they finish up the season home against USC and home against Oregon. So a few things jump out to me just looking at that initially, and we'll jump into all these games individually and a little bit later in the show. But for now, I just kind of want to say a few things that kind of come to my mind. And one has to be the start of the schedule. And it is much less burdensome, to put it, (laughs) than the end of the schedule. We end the schedule with, after we get back from our bye week, we have Arizona, which I'll talk to you later, but they were 4-8 and eight last season. But then it's Arizona State, Washington, Cal, USC, Oregon. All those teams won at least eight games with Oregon winning 12 last season. So we end the schedule with some difficult opponents. Well, we start off the season with 
a lot of the lesser teams in the Pac-12, which personally, that's how I like how I would have it if I had any say. I like the little bit easier teams to start off because 2020, season or not, this is interesting. It's just, it's weird for everyone. It's going to be kind of fluky, kind of weird. So I'd rather go up against those lesser teams at first and then be able to work our way up till hopefully by late November we're good to go and we're all back to normal. Our quarterbacks stable with the offense and just all around everyone's looking good. So with that, I say we just go ahead and here we go. So, 926, September 26, the Utah Utes face Washington State at Washington State. First thing that comes to my mind, and I feel like first thing that comes to a lot of Utah fans' minds, has to be, well, th- this is great. This is a great way to start the season. Do you know why? Because Utah still gets to beat some Cougars on week one. How fantastic is that? For Utah, I feel like the Pac-12 had to have done that on purpose. That's just too perfect. Since Utah won't get their week one matchup against BYU, the Cougars from BYU, they now get to play the Cougars from Washington State. Cougars last year, though, I guess I gotta be specific now, the Washington State Cougars, they were 6-7 and seven last season, 3-6 and six in conference, so did not play very well in conference play. And... They're they're struggling. Uh, they're I do not believe that this 2020 environment is not friendly to any team, but it's definitely not friendly to Washington State. They're trying to replace their quarterback, and because they got replaced Anthony Gordon, that's the main thing. They do have some other talent on offense. They have a good running back. They have some talent at wide receiver. They actually do have. They are returning three receivers who caught over 500 yards in 2019 that's kind of impressive when you look at it Utah only has one returning that caught over 500 yards and that is Brent Keithy but if you can't find a good quarterback that will negate the talent there and then defense they also have a couple guys returning but they have a new defensive coordinator and I I don't know I would not bet on new coaching staffs during this time, because you can only do so much virtually with virtual team meetings, you gotta be on the field. You gotta show your players how to do what they need to do in order to be successful. So it's gonna be tough for Utah or for Washington State to be able to be successful on the defensive side of the ball, especially. So I think that's gonna be a win for Utah. So that puts Utah at one and zero in my predictions. Traveling to Boulder, Colorado to take on the Buffaloes. There have been few programs that have been worse than Colorado in the last recent past. (laughs) Excuse my words there. They are just struggling and I think that they, like Washington State, will struggle in 2020 as well. They have a new coach who... Wants to use a balanced attack, but slightly prioritizing the pass. But that's going to be tough when they have to replace their quarterback. But what's even more important to them, they have to replace 
LaVisca Chenault Jr., who got drafted by the Jaguars in the second round of the draft this year. I remember watching the game, especially against Utah last season with Colorado. I feel like they they just force-fed Chenault Jr. just as much as they could. They just fed him, fed him, fed him, which I don't blame them because he was by far their best player. I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL. Well, not that excited. I hope he gets traded before he does anything good because I'm a Titans fan. He went to the Jaguars, blah, blah, blah. But this is not a Titans podcast. This is a Utah podcast. So we got to stay focused on that. Anyways, with Chenault gone, they need someone to step up there, and that's going to be difficult to find, especially when they also need someone to step up from the quarterback. Their defense, however, I think will show improvement, honestly, because they have their defensive coordinator room. They have their defensive coordinator returning, which will improve the continuity, I believe, uh, with them. And they have they run a three four defense, and they have all three guys returning on the front defensive line. That is very that's a very good thing. That's nothing to laugh at, even though it might be tough <laughs> to not just oh Colorado automatic win, but they have some talent on the defensive side of the ball. And they have a lot of experienced guys returning. They have some starting experience, at least. And they have a lot of stars returning. So, their defense might be tough, but I think Utah, our offense is going to be too good, no matter who is in that quarterback. We still have some great running backs in the backfield with Brumfield and Wilmore. And we have Brant Keithy, I think the best tight end in the Pac-12, I think, most people will agree with me on that aspect, at least. And then we have a lot of people returning, a lot of receivers returning. I think, regardless of who our quarterback is, because we have two capable options at quarterback, it's not like it's two guys that are coming in who just have never played football before. It's two guys that have shown a lot in the past what they can do. Even Cam Rising, who hasn't played a snap in college football, he still has a lot of experience uh, in high school, and he's been with the program for a while. So uh, I think we're pretty good there. Our defense, we're losing a lot. But you saw my article that was posted last week. We Yes, we're replacing nine stars, which is no easy task. And that's part of the reason why I want as long as a camp as possible before we start playing is because we need to get them a little bit more practice reps, a little more experience on defense. But we have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And I think our defensive coordinator, Morgan Scaley, he's going to do a great job, especially with the secondary, since we have to replace everyone in the secondary. I think he's going to do a great job. So I'm not worried about that. I think we beat Colorado. Not a hot take by any means. So that brings us 2-0, heading to our... Our home opener, fans or not, hopefully fans, but if not, that's okay because we got to think on the positive side, football is still being played. So on October 10th, we have Oregon State. They were 5-7 and seven last year. They were 4-5 and five within the uh, Pac-12, so not terrible, a little under 500 both ways. Last year, their offense was actually pretty good at times, and they showed a lot of flashes. Yeah, I know they lost 52-7 to to Utah last year, which was, 
I mean, fantastic. But they were pretty good for the most part. But that just shows how good of a defense Utah really was. But they did lose their quarterback, running back, wide receiver. They do have Jamar Jefferson as a running back who will... He is a very very talented back who will be successful, I believe, next year for the Beavers. But on the offense, they just lost too many, in my opinion, to really make this a game. Their defense, even though they've been atrocious for years, they, they have been bad. They are returning nine starters, and uh, they're still are returning seven of their top eight tacklers, leading tacklers, I should say. So they have talent on the defensive side of the ball. But once again, just with Colorado, I do think Utah will just be too much for them. Uh, Just with the way that our program has been moving in the past couple years, I do think Utah is great. Obviously, (laughs) that's a no-brainer. So then that I think that brings us to 3 and 0 heading to at UCLA and that's another thing I want to point out before the bye week which would be after the UCLA game we have three road games we're starting off with that is not easy to start off but to be completely honest with you I'd much rather start off with more road games and end with more home games than vice versa and that's exactly what we're doing especially with the harder schedule as we finish I think it's important that those are home games. Hopefully fans can be there. Hopefully they can be loud and proud and cheer on Utah. But even if they're not, that home just playing at home is just huge, especially late in the season. It's getting colder. Games are a little bit tougher. And the opponents are the best in the conference. So I think that... I am okay with having three road games before the bye, especially against weaker opponents that I think we should still be able to win versus if it was the other way around when all of a sudden we're going at USC and at Oregon back-to-back. That would be tough. I'd much rather host, and I think everyone would agree with me on that aspect. So anyways, UCLA, they were 4-8 and eight last year. Chip Kelly, that what is going on with Chip Kelly? Once one of the best coaches in college football, tried out the NFL, was not very successful there, and I just don't know. Ever since then, he has just not been good. I guess teams have just figured out his system. I don't know if he's lost it, kind of that mental edge, if he's just been down for how bad his NFL tour was and if he hasn't been able to recover mentally. I don't know what the issue with Chip Kelly is. But you know with Chip Kelly, he's going to have a good offense. And yes, UCLA won 49-3 last year. Or Utah won 49-3 last year over UCLA. But, I mean, it's a Chip Kelly offense. Once again, Utes defense, amazing top tier. They were the number two rated total defense in the FBS last year. That is an amazing stat. Probably my favorite stat of the season last year for Utah. Because when you look at UCLA's offense, they still averaged over 400 yards a game, 
But where they ran into trouble was they only scored more than 18.6 times last year. They were 120th ranked in the FBS in in sacks allowed. And they throw that on top of a lot of turnovers. That is not a recipe for success. So you can average as many yards a game. You can move the ball down the field. But if you cannot convert, if you turn the ball over and you give up key sacks, especially on third down, you're not going to be very successful. And you throw on top of that, they lost their best player last year to the draft, Joshua Kelly. He is now a running back in Los Angeles for the Chargers. But, I mean, with all the negative there is there, you still have to think it's still Chip Kelly. You have to, you got to respect the name. He made such a big name for himself. Even though it seems like he has been relevant in years, because he really hasn't been, you still have to respect the name. You know there's going to be a good offense, as I said earlier. And when you throw in a quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he's headed into his third season at UCLA. That is a lot of continuity there. And in 2020, you need some continuity. So, they I do not think they will only put up three points against us next year. Do I think we'll still win? Definitely. <laughs> to put it frank. Uh, their defense, UCLA, they're pretty young. They did rank 113th last year, but as a very young, raw defense, that's going to happen. And when your offense is turned the ball over, you're not going to be able to be as successful as you want to be. So that's a win. And then we hit the bye week. There's no reason Utah should not be 4-0 hitting the bye. And I'm hoping... (laughs) That this will be a bye week and not a makeup game with COVID. Because that's part of the reason with the flexibility of the Pac-12 schedule. That built-in bye, I will not be surprised if there are some makeup games that occur during teams' bye weeks. We see in the MLB, teams are already struggling with that. My St. Louis Cardinals are... Like, just now starting to play again after what feels like months of absence from the field. So hopefully, uh, these conferences and these players learn from other leagues' mistakes. And they can actually get their bye weeks and get that week off to recoup. Because after the bye week, as I mentioned earlier, that's when our season really gets interesting and really gets difficult. After our bye week, we host Arizona. And with Arizona, all you can do is bring up Grant Gannell, the quarterback. He is honestly an extremely talented quarterback. And they're returning a lot of the receivers and running backs and O-line. They are returning pretty much their whole offense, which is kind of scary when, yes, they only won four games last year. They were 2-7 and seven in conference play, conference only schedule. You would think, oh, Arizona, they're not a problem. But I think they're going to be a little bit tougher out than a lot of people are saying. And honestly, when we're talking about things that Arizona, things going in their favor, one of them is they averaged under 40,000 fans last year, which was the smallest total since the facility their home stadium expanded in 1976 
but why would that be a good thing for them? Well, if there's no fans, they'll I guess they'll be used to it, <laughs> honestly. But in all seriousness, I do think that Arizona will be a much better improved team just because of their quarterback and their returning players on offense. Do I think they will beat Utah? I do not, especially with a new D coordinator and pretty much an entirely new defensive staff. Uh, Coach Sumlin has pretty much brought everyone new in on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the coaching staff. And in 2020, you do not want a lot of change. <laughs> I've said that a lot, and to be honest, I'll probably say it a few more times during this podcast. So that brings Utah to 5-0. and I think there's no reason they should not start 5-0, and especially if they do get the bye week, they get a week of rest, and then they really get to focus on the tough part of their schedule. Now the game after that, going to Arizona State, that, I think, is going to be the first true test that Utah faces this year. Because, I mean, you just look at their head coach. It's Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, great NFL coach, great coach, very long resume, very big success in everywhere that he has gone. Just great person, great character, great coach, great football knowledge. You have to respect him for what he's done. Arizona State was 8-5 and five last year. They won four conference games. Every single game that they lost last year was a conference game. And they are returning, or their quarterback next year will be Jaden Daniels, who has shown a lot of talent. They did lose Eno Benjamin and Brandon Ayuk to the NFL. Both are in the NFC West now. And those two are both very good. But they have a ton of talent. And their defense, they're returning so many on defense. And even the people that they aren't returning, they have so much experience playing. The only slight change is that they're moving from the 3-3-5 to a more traditional 4-3. But I'm starting to think with this, all this COVID going on, Will they do another year in the three three five? Even if if they do or not, regardless, they have the talent on both sides of the ball. And if Jaden Daniels gets to where a lot of people think they are, Arizona State is going to make a run for the Pac twelve, and I think they will. They are a talented team. Utah is going to have to come to play that day. On November 7th, they need to go to Arizona State, and they're going to have to beat a very talented football team, very well-coached, disciplined football team. Utah is also a very well-coached, disciplined football team. So that is one of the games that I am circling as a Utah fan and as an analyst because that will show so much during this 2020 season that Who knows what's going on? Who knows what's going to happen? So that will show me all I need to know about what kind of team Utah is and what kind of team Arizona State is. Utah will have to come to play. I personally believe Utah will win that game. But that's going to be a tough one. Would not surprise me if it goes to right down to the wire or even goes to overtime. 
that is going to be a game. So mark your calendars, use fans. You probably already have. <laughs> but yes, November 7th at Arizona State, that will be a game. And I know I am very excited for it. Then after that, the Utah Utes will host Washington. I think this game should be a win for Utah. Washington, they were one of the they were probably the most disappointing team last year. When you look at Jacob Eason at quarterback, that I mean that's all I need to say. He just was not what he needed to be. And that's why he ended up going in fifth or sixth round in the NFL when a lot of people thought, oh, he might be a second or third rounder to start the season. And I just want to point out, I'm very glad that my Tennessee Titans did not select Jacob Eason. I'm very glad about that, but back to Utah. (laughs) So they have to figure out who's going to be the quarterback, and they got to figure out how to move the ball on offense. A few things going in Washington's favor is that they are getting all four starters back in their secondary on defense, which their secondary was pretty good last year. So that is pretty good for the Huskies. And they they do have a new coach this year, a new head coach, but he's a internal hire, and he used to be the defensive coordinator. So their defense, I believe, will be pretty good. They just have to be able to move the ball on offense, and I personally do not see them having much success on the offensive side of the ball from what I've read, from what I've seen. So I think that is another win for Utah. Then after that, they go and they visit Cal. And I feel like a lot of people, they just, they see Cal, oh, the Cal Bears, they're, I mean, their offense was terrible since 2018, but towards the end of last year, their offense was actually pretty good. And I think Cal is going to be a tougher game than Washington. And I know that kind of sounds weird, but Cal honestly scares me a little bit more than Washington does. Still think it's a winnable game, a game that Utah should win. But that just shows how much respect I do have for Cal. Because they are returning a lot of players and coaches on both sides of the ball. I mean, when you look at Cal, their defense lost three players, three starters, I should say. But they all went to the NFL to show how talented and how good their defense was last year. And everyone else is returning. If their offensive line improves slightly, which they, like I've said this whole time, they have a lot of people returning. They can do some damage in the Pac-12, especially in a Pac-12-only schedule. I think Cal is going to be a very, very tough out, especially late in the season. We've we've already had our bye week, and then we have to go visit at Cal for our last road game of the year. I think it will be very tough, but once again, I do think Utah will win, bringing them to 8-0. and 8-0 sounds just very optimistic, but I personally do think that that's what Utah can be, and what they should be, honestly. 
And then the last two games of the year. The two toughest games of the year. I cannot stress that enough. To make things even worse, after that tough at Cal game, this USC game against number 17th ranked, the rankings just came out, number 17 USC, of course it's on a Friday. So short rest, they get a day less of rest, Utah does, before they play USC. I really don't even have to talk much about USC. Everyone knows how talented they are. (laughs) Offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, of all people, came in and just lit it up. His schemes were amazing, very impressive. I am not a USC fan at all. Despise them, honestly. But, like, I have to respect what Graham Harrell came in and did as offensive coordinator. They were 8-5 and five last year, but they were 7-2 and two in conference play. And you know USC is always scheduling difficult teams to play. And they have, they have a lot of people returning. They have their quarterback. They're gonna, he's gonna run the show. They have a strong supporting cast. The... The only thing that I can say wrong with the USC team right now is their loss of spring practices. But, I mean, that hurts everyone. The only reason to hit USC hard is because they do have a new defensive coordinator. But, honestly, I don't see that as a huge loss since, first off, everyone is experiencing that Laws of spring practices. That hurts everyone. I don't know one team that would even think about saying, oh, we don't have spring practices. We only got like three of them. Oh, that's amazing for our team. No team is going to say that. But you got to think of the date of when this game is being played, and that is November 27th, late November. If they don't have anything figured out by then, on the defensive side of the ball, or on the whole side of the ball, if you want to speak more generically, then things just aren't going to work out in general. But I think USC, they're a top-tier program, even when their record doesn't show it. They're a top-tier program. I think they will have things figured out by late December. Even if they had have a loss or two going into it, there's no way Utah can go in lightly against USC. And then it's the game. or Utah versus Oregon. Pac-12 Championship of 2019 rematch. This is the game. I talked about Arizona State. That's a big game that I'm circling. If I'm circling Arizona State and Oregon once, I'm circling Arizona... Or I'm circling Oregon. If I am circling... Arizona State and Utah, then I'm circling Utah and Oregon at least three times. This is the game. It is a revenge game. Utah had their shot at the college football playoff. That is ridiculous if you think about it. How Utah, a Pac-12 school, a non-Oregon, non-USC Pac-12 school, how close they were to the college football playoff. How close they were 
and Utah just did not come to play that day, and Oregon did. Because Oregon is that program in the Pac-12. They are that program. And I brought it up last week. I think, as weird as it sounds, because I do not like Oregon as a Utah fan, and I know very little, if any, Utah fans that like Oregon. But despite that, I believe that Oregon is where Utah is trying to be. Utah is a Pac-12 school that wants respect, that deserves respect in my honest opinion, and Oregon is there. When you think Pac-12, you think Oregon. Everyone knows Oregon. Everyone knows their football program, and they're good. And, I mean, they deserve it. They made it to the championship in the inaugural college football playoff. They made it there. They deserve to get it there. And Utah is slowly building their brand. As Daniel and I talked last week on the previous Swoop Saturday. That they're building their brand. And they're trying their hardest to get there. And I think they, they're they just about there. They just need a couple more key victories. And they need a shot at a big time bowl. They did not come to play last year in their bowls. Pac-12 championship, they lost. Alamo Bowl against Texas, they lost. That's terrible as a Utah fan. But you know you're so close to being a respected member of the Pac-12. And I'm. that's another reason why I'm glad that we're number 20. I think that's a fair ranking for Utah as a team in the Pac-12 that the Pac-12 in itself does not generate a ton of respect for the Power 5. They're definitely the number 5 of the Power 5 conferences. But, I mean, they made it. And they're number 20. They're in the top 20. If you <laughs> if you look at Twitter, I saw that they were actually number 200. So, I mean, that's kind of a you know, advantage on their own. They're number 200. That, that's pretty cool. You know, 199 problems in Utah definitely ain't one. Absolutely. So, so besides all that, all that little extra noise, I mean, there's one last thing I've talked about when Utah is getting on the level of Oregon. And everyone knows Oregon, Nike, Oregon has the best, quote on, the best unis in all of college football. They're obviously top tier. They are, in my opinion, as a just uniform fan, even in high school, I was all about high school uniforms, college uniforms. I'm a uniform guy. And so Oregon obviously has the top tier uniforms. But honestly... Utah is getting there. No, they don't have the Nike headquarters in Salt Lake City, Utah. But red and black, that is honestly just great colors. They're just red and black. It might be common, but there's a reason why it is common. Because it is so stellar. And you throw in the white, you throw in the gray. Utah's unis last year were fantastic and I'm just excited to see what they decide to roll out each game 
My personal favorite, if anyone's wondering, is the all-whites with the white helmet, with the Utes logo, then the white jerseys, and the white pants. I I like the whiteouts, but even their throwbacks last year with the red and the silver helmets, their blackouts, the matte black helmets were amazing. Utah has the has shown the firepower with their sponsor in Under Armour, which I'm also an Under Armour guy. Believe it or not, they have shown that they are at least comparable with Oregon's uniforms, in my opinion. I think red and black as colors are better than green and yellow. Everyone's got black, everyone's got white, everyone's got gray to a a silver. But red and black, I think, is just so much more powerful than a green and yellow that I think Under Armour has done a fantastic job. My alma mater, Southeast Missouri State, they just moved to Utah. Or my alma mater, Southeast Missouri State, an FCS school, they just switched to Under Armour a couple years ago. And let me tell you, their uniforms have improved immensely. So Under Armour knows what they're doing. And I think, just from a uniform basis, I think Utah is right there as well. That's obviously more fun off the field stuff, but honestly, I look into it and it it's a little important to me, sadly, but <laughs> when you actually get to on the field stuff, which is why you're listening to the podcast, you got to think Oregon is replacing Justin Herbert, who went number 6 overall to the Los Angeles Chargers, and their linebacker Troy Die, who was their quarterback of the defense, which it will be very difficult to replace both of those players. But unfortunately for Utah, they're returning pretty much everyone else on offense. They're returning eight of 10 players who had double digit receptions in 2019. Like that's pretty much everyone who put forth a capable amount of receptions last year who actually played and played well. Pretty much everyone that contributed to the offensive passing yards is returning. And you throw in the fact that they have three running backs returning who combined for over 2,000 yards. That's not easy. That's not common. And then you look, their defense is going to be great. There's a reason they're ranked number nine right now. Their defense is great, even without Troy Dye. They have so many defensive players returning. Even players that were huge in the Rose Bowl. They were amazing. And they weren't even starters most of the year. So I think the def- I'm I know the defense is going to be fantastic next year. And when you look at it, if the defense steps up, the skill players step up, Herbert's replacement, Tyler Sh- Show will not have a problem stepping in and making the throws when needed. Herbert's replacement will not need to, you know, just all of a sudden, oh, I'm in there, I got to throw for a ton of yards. No. <laughs> he, he does not have to be the leader of the team statistically. Which is very scary for Utes fans and for just 
any other Pac-12 fan that is not an Oregon fan. Because they have everyone returning except their quarterback of offense and quarterback on defense. Is that tough for placing your two leaders on both sides of the ball? Absolutely. But do they have the replacements? Oh, 100%. And when you throw in the quarterback position and, oh, he doesn't have to lead the team and make every single throw and make every single right decision and lead the team and have to carry the team. If he doesn't have to carry the team, then he will be fine, which once again is tough for Utah fans. You might have noticed that I didn't mention a record when I said 8-0 heading into these two games. I didn't say that we would win or lose against USC. And that's why I bring it up now. Because honestly, I do not know. But I do believe in my trying to be as realistic as possible. I think Utah loses one of these games. Either against USC or Oregon. I think they win one. If you want to think glass half full. Which I'm a positive guy myself. So I believe they win one of these games. Which is very impressive. But it's tough, which makes them go 9-1. Nine, nine and one. Being completely honest, I think if I had to give my honest opinion of which one, because there's a reason I didn't say it yet, because I want to... My, <laughs> my first prediction is that they lose one of these two games if they have to lose one, which... You know, you're probably thinking, oh, whatever, what kind of analyst is this guy saying, oh, yeah, he's going to lose one of these two games. But in all reality, that's how I think it will be. But if I have to pick one team that I think that they're going to lose to more, believe it or not, I think it's USC. I think they might lose to USC, not because they undermine them, because USC, you cannot undermine them. You cannot go in there thinking, oh, I'm undefeated at this point, blah, blah, blah. Because USC deserves the respect that they have. But I think they lose that game in a close one, I might add. Because Utah's going to come in and put in a fight. Whittingham is still going to have that defensive ground and pound approach. Even if Jake Bentley starts for us. I do think we're going to run the ball a lot with a good defense. Yes, we had to replace nine. But our defense is still going to be good. It's Utah. We are known for good defenses with our new brand. We're going to run the ball because we have Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore. And we have other dark horses that are all talented. We will run the ball. And when you throw in the fact that we have very talented returning receivers, we our offense will be very balanced and very good, just to put it like that. But despite that, I will put the L next to USC because they'll come to play. They'll probably be undefeated at this point as well. And so that'll bring us to 8-1 and one at that point. But Oregon, I think we're going to beat Oregon this year. Guys, I really do. I think we are going to win. I think Utah will beat Oregon this year. It's about time. I think they win and I think they go Two nine and one to finish the ten game season, and then of course with the way 
the schedule is set up. The week after that, December 12th, is just an open week to have makeup games or to get a week off. Hopefully, by December of 2020, there is no need for there to be makeup games. And it is just smooth sailing and it's just an open week for the two teams that make the championship. I personally believe that, and as a 9-1 team, it might be tough to get into the Pac-12 championship, especially since we lost to USC, which is a division rival. But I still think it's very possible, and I'm just going to, for the sake of this podcast, assume that Utah does make it to the Pac-12 championship. Because Utah, or because USC is very similar to Utah in the fact that they have a tough finish to their schedule. They're a little bit easier to start off. They got UCLA, Cal is a very tough opponent, but then Stanford, Colorado, Arizona, Washington State. But then they end with Oregon, Arizona State, Utah, Washington. Washington, I do not think they will lose to, but Oregon or Arizona State, I could see them losing to both of those teams, to be completely honest. So, say if they lose to both those teams before they play Utah, even if they beat Utah, if Utah goes 9-1, USC has a tiebreaker, but USC has the... But Utah has the better record. So, I'm just going to, for the sake of this podcast, assume, because I do think Utah can definitely make it to the Pac-12 Championship for a third consecutive year. Who they will play? To me, it's between two teams. They will either play Oregon or they will play Cal. I've already talked about California and the Bears and how much I respect them. But to be completely honest, out of those two teams, you got to just assume, at least at this point, On this swoop Saturday of August 8th, that it's going to be Oregon over Cal. However much I respect Cal and the program that they're building, it's it's got to be Oregon. Which, if my predictions are correct, Utah will just beat Oregon. So Oregon's going to be pissed off and Oregon is going to come to play. So that Pac-12 championship will be amazing. It will be, (laughs) even though it will be amazing, it will be very tough and difficult to I'm that's one of the things I'm very curious of not just as a Utah fan but as a college football fan how are they going to pick the four teams this year if everyone decides to go conference only I know I talked about slightly early and I'll earlier and I will talk about it in a little bit more in a little more detail with the Big Ten going conference only as well how will that fare when selecting the top four teams? Say if Utah goes 9-1 and one and they beat Oregon again in the Pac-12 championship and they go to 10-1, and one, I'm not going to lie. I could definitely see the playoff committee saying that Utah is not deserving because, well, they're in the Pac-12, blah, blah, blah. When you look at the Big Ten SEC, I could see a two-loss SEC school in conference-only play if they decide to go that route, which it looks like they are. They're going to get the nod over a one-loss Pac-12 team, 
which is sad at this point, which is tough. So rambled on definitely a little bit more than I thought about the schedule this year. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept. And when you throw in the schedule itself, the schedule is always fun to talk about. And you throw in the extra twists and turns that come with it being 2020 and COVID and everything that's going on. It's always, it's just more fun to talk about. And the fact that I've talked by myself in the studio this long, you know, kind of blows my mind, honestly. But I'm not going to brag too much that I accomplished that. (laughs) Um, But I do just want to end with a few notes before uh, I let you enjoy the rest of your Soup Saturday without me. Um, I talked about it a little bit with the Big Ten schedule already, so I'll just start with that. There are a couple similarities the main one being flexibility. It's They want to allow 10 games to be played in 12 weeks. That's really not too difficult when you look at, it, look at it at a normal scale. But when it comes to... But when it comes to COVID, you know, that's definitely much more uh, of a tighter grip. I know originally the Pac-12 was talking about rumors of maybe making it 10 games in 14 weeks. That's a slight difference and it doesn't really look like it came out that way with the Pac-12 schedule. But along with that, there are some several differences. One of the things about the Big Ten schedule, I talked about it at the beginning of the show, they are starting sooner. They're starting September 5th, and so that's right at the beginning of the month when games normally start. And so that, my biggest question with that is, where does the camp go? And I need to do more research on that if their camp is starting like now, which I find very hard to believe if it is. So I think the Pac-12's time to start camp is a very reasonable time. That's in a little bit over a week. And I think hopefully by then, things hopefully start start turning around if everyone's wearing their mask and being respectful and doing what they need to do to try to make sure that everyone is safe both themselves and everyone because that's all we're trying to do here is just make sure everyone is safe and so we can uh have sports have college football have the things that we enjoy um but another difference with the big 10 is that each team has two bye weeks which i mean i just think it's interesting to compare to pac-12 pac-12 came out first big 10 came out a little bit shortly after, which was kind of a surprise because there weren't a whole lot of rumors about Big Ten being conference only. It was mostly Pac-12, and then it kind of went SEC, kind of like that. So the Big Ten just kind of came out like, oh, here's our schedule. And so I just think it's interesting to just kind of compare and see what other conferences are doing. So in the Pac-12, each team has that one bye week, and then they have an open week before the conference championship. That way, making games could be played, or hopefully, best case scenario, it's just another week off to prepare for the conference championship. Well, with the Big Ten, they got the two bye weeks during the season, and they also have the open week before their Big Ten championship. So just a little bit added added in bye week for makeup games and extra rest if needed. And honestly... I do believe that's probably because 
they're starting so early. So if something happens, if COVID cases increase, they're going to get pushed back. So that way, there's a little more flexibility with that second bye week there. That's the last that I have. We definitely went on a little bit longer than I thought, but that's not a problem with me. And I enjoyed this episode. I really hope you did. Utes fans, it's going to be a fun season. I really think it will be. Uh, But before I leave, I just got to remind you, you know, some of the housekeeping things. Make sure to give us five stars and hit that subscribe button to the Hive Sports Podcast. We are going to be, I will be here every Saturday giving you the news, giving you the latest updates, giving you my opinions on what's going on in youth football and youth football news. So, youth fans, I hope you have a great rest of your Swoop Saturday. I hope you have a great rest of your Swoop Saturday, and I'll give you a little posty to end us out. HiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.